0: Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're gonna be focusing on verses one through three. So have your Bible open. I would encourage you to bring paper Bibles, hardcover, paperback cover Bibles, so that you can be circling words and putting you know dates and you, you should have a Bible that's got like, you know, coffee spills on it and mustard smears. It's just it's your Bible, you know. This is your I mean, phones are wonderful. Keep using those, so convenient, but have a Bible that you can mark up in and that you can flip back and forth in, so helpful. So 1 Corinthians 14, we're starting a new series this morning, like I mentioned, called Questions About Spiritual Gifts. Now here's some background about this topic. God tells us clearly in His Word that He's created us, He's created you for the joy of knowing Him, worshiping Him fellowshipping with Him, having communion with Him. That's why you're here, for that joy. And the Bible tells us, and we all know by experience, that tragically we've all rebelled against God and turned our backs on Him. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And God is just. And so He must punish our sin. Every sin must be punished. But God isn't just just. He loves us. He's compassionate for us. He delights in mercy. And so he's done something that is just astonishing. He sent his own son, Jesus, fully God, perfect Jesus, to become a man and to be punished in our place on the cross. So our sin was punished in Jesus. Punished in Jesus. Which means that and then Jesus rose from the dead. I don't want to leave that part out. Breaking the power of death. Breaking the power of sin, breaking the power of Satan, and he's alive now to know us and to be our Savior. And so when you turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, amazing things happen. You are completely forgiven for all your sin. Your heart is changed, supernaturally changed. You're filled with joy and peace and love like you've never known before. For the first time in your life, you are fully satisfied and God gives you the Holy Spirit, the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit giving believers like us supernatural abilities called spiritual gifts. So they they pray for sick people and God heals them. That takes place. They receive knowledge they couldn't know any other way, but just simply God gave them knowledge for something they needed. They receive messages from God that when they share them with husbands, wives, brothers, and sisters, great help, great benefit is brought. So in the Bible, we see that the Holy Spirit gives believers supernatural abilities. Now, today, followers of Jesus have different opinions about whether God is still giving those kind of supernatural abilities. We can have different opinions on this and still love each other, okay? Are we committed to doing that here? Yes. A little more emphasis on that. Yes, we're committed to doing this. But even though believers can agree to disagree on these points, each church leadership team has to study the scriptures and decide what do we believe God's teaching and this is the direction we're going to lead the church in. And so our steering team, we've spent time working on this. And I, I preached on this a year ago and gave an introductory couple of messages on that point. And our conviction is that God is still giving these spiritual gifts. But as we, as we look at the church at large today, we see three different groups when it comes to this question. Um, a little bit simplistic maybe, but, but generally speaking, there's three different groups. So, let me explain each of these groups and then describe where we find ourselves. One group believes that God is still giving supernatural, spiritual gifts. But in our opinion, some of the things they teach about those gifts aren't accurate, and some of the ways those gifts are practiced aren't what the Scriptures teach. Now, we love those brothers and sisters, and God is powerfully working through them. Right? We're all on the same team together. But that's not the group that we find ourselves settling in. We don't resonate with with some of the things that that group emphasizes. So for example, sometimes spiritual gifts are emphasized above God's Word. Well, that's not what the Bible says. This, if you want to hear God speak the most clearly, this is where you go, the Word of God. He speaks another way, this book says that, but this is the most clear, sure, foundational way, right? Okay, I, I gotta be careful not to start preaching on some of these topics now. Okay, so, but some groups emphasize spiritual gifts more than the scriptures. Sometimes they, encourage, they teach that everybody is supposed to speak in tongues. Well, we, we don't see that in God's Word. Too often, tongues are heard publicly with no interpretation. If that's your background, I would just appeal to you. Study 1 Corinthians 14 and see if you don't come to a different conclusion. Uh, sometimes these groups, they'll teach that it's always God's will to heal everybody right now, And we believe God heals supernaturally, and every sickness will be healed, if not now, in heaven. And sometimes he does heal right now, so we pray for people right now. Anyway, so that's the first group. We don't don't resonate entirely with that group. Then there's a second group, which believes that supernatural gifts are not being given today. And they've got various reasons they give in the Bible. I'll be talking about some of those today. We love that group, and God's working powerfully through that group. They love Jesus. Jesus loves them. Okay. But we're not persuaded by the reasons that they point out in the Bible as to why they think gifts are not being given. Supernatural gifts are not being given anymore. But There's a third group that that we resonate with. And this group believes that supernatural gifts are still being given. And out of obedience to what they, we see in the Word, we've got to pursue this. Because these are commands in Scripture. That's our conviction. But we're committed to doing this biblically, where God's Word is over everything we do. right? Every practice of spiritual gifts, everything's got to be under the authority of Scripture. This is God's sure Word. Yeah, like, If any word of prophecy comes and disagrees with this book, that's not a word of prophecy from God. Simple. Open, shut. No question. Right? That's what we've got to go with. Um, We're not persuaded that everyone is given the gift of tongues, as wonderful a gift as that is. Um, There's other equally wonderful gifts that God gives to people as well. We're persuaded that if tongues are heard, they should be interpreted. Like I said from 1 Corinthians 14, we're persuaded that God wants us to pray for the sick. If you're sick here, we'd love to pray for you this morning. And God often supernaturally heals right now, but it's not always his will. So that's the group we find ourselves in, the leadership team here at Grace Church. And so we want to move our church ahead in exploring what would it look like to be a church that is believing these things and pursuing these things. Now let me give you an illustration to share why this is so important. This is from the life of Charles Spurgeon. Anybody heard of Charles Spurgeon? Powerful preacher in England in the 1800s. And here's what happened to him one Sunday night when he was preaching. Here's what he wrote in his autobiography. He said, one Sunday evening while I was preaching, I felt moved to say... Now, that's important. He, didn't, he hadn't planned on saying this ahead of time. He hadn't thought, I'm going to say this. He felt moved. This is God just stirring his heart. This is like a word of prophecy, I think, is what's going on here. I felt moved to say, dear mother... So there's some mother out there he's talking to... If you have never talked with your daughter about her soul, do it this very night. But, you might reply, he said to this mother, he didn't know who it was, but you reply, when I get home, she will be in bed. And he says, if so, then wake her up, but do talk and pray with her tonight. So where did that come from? God just brought that into his mind to share with the church. Somebody out there needed to hear it. And sure enough, he goes on to write and he says, One good woman went straight home and did exactly what I had said. She woke her daughter, began speaking to her about the Savior. The dear girl said, Oh, mother, I am glad you've spoken to me about Jesus. For months I have been wishing you would do so. So see what's happening here? God gives Charles Spurgeon knowledge that he would not otherwise have known. He obeyed and he spoke it. A woman was stirred by the Holy Spirit. This is for you. Go home and talk to your daughter. She did. And the daughter was longing for months to have her mother talk to her about Jesus. And that brought her, moved her towards trusting Christ and being saved. Now see, this is one of the reasons why we are excited about spiritual gifts here. Because spiritual gifts are given by God as a way for us to love and bless and benefit people around us. Charles Spurgeon brought great benefit to that woman and her daughter through receiving that word of prophecy and sharing it in the way that he did. So our conviction is that God is still giving gifts like that today. So what I want to do this morning and next week, and maybe it'll just be two weeks, it might be three, I've got to talk to the steering team about this tomorrow, we've got to see, but I want to answer some questions, some questions that you've sent in, thank you very much, and also some questions that I thought you should have asked that nobody's asked yet, so I I jotted some of those down as well. Um, But first, before we get into the questions, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 3. Paul writes, and he says, pursue love. That's our heart. That's what this is all about. Pursue love, Grace Church, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So this is part of pursuing love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, see here's why we pursue prophecy, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So this is all about love, right? We're pursuing love. Part of that means we desire spiritual gifts because as God gives them, it'll benefit those around us, and we are especially to pursue the spiritual gift of prophecy. So do you see in this verse, Paul is commanding every believer in Corinth, to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you are comfortable with this, right? This is an apostle of Jesus Christ giving a command to the church. But of course, this immediately raises the question, is that command still for us today? Is God still giving the gift of prophecy? I'm sure some of you would answer yes. I would guess others of you would answer I'm not sure. And others of you would say i i don't think so at least that's not what i've been taught in the past so the first step is to take a look at what the bible teaches about the gift of prophecy to see whether this gift is still being given that's where i want to start and i'm hoping i can persuade those of you who think it's not being given okay but we love each other regardless so here's here's the first question i want to raise Since the purpose of supernatural gifts was to authenticate the apostles message and writing of scripture, why are supernatural gifts still necessary? Okay, it's a good question. It is true that God gave spiritual gifts, supernatural spiritual gifts to authenticate the ministry of the apostles. and. That's very important for a number of reasons. One is because it also authenticated the scriptures that they wrote, which now are authenticated, and we have them here. So that is true. And you can see that in Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Luke writes, So Paul and Barnabas remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So Paul is there preaching, And God bore witness to the truth of his preaching by giving Paul and Barnabas signs and wonders. So there was healings that were taking place. There were demons being cast out. Miraculous things were happening. So the people would look at Paul and they would say, God's on this man. This man is from God. What he says must be true. What he writes must be true. It authenticated his ministry as an apostle. But here's why I want to say that that's not the only purpose for spiritual gifts. They did authenticate the ministry of the apostles, yes, but that's not their only reason. And the reason I say that it's not their only reason is because God didn't just give spiritual gifts to apostles, okay? He gave them to every believer. So there must be other reasons for spiritual gifts besides just authenticating the apostles. I mean, God gave spiritual gifts, as we're going to see, to Agabus, who was not an apostle, God gave spiritual gifts to Philip. He worked incredible miracles. God gave spiritual gifts to Philip's four daughters who were all prophetesses. Read the book of Acts, you'll see that. Anna, I was reading yesterday in Luke chapter one, was a prophetess. So non-apostles healed the sick in Jesus' name and worked miracles and received words of prophecy. And that's what we'll see in 1 Corinthians 14, verse one. Look at it again. Paul says, he's talking to the whole church of Corinth, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So we are all called to desire spiritual gifts, and we are all called to desire the gift of prophecy. Not just the apostles, all of us are called to desire that gift. So the gift of miracles, healing, prophecy, these supernatural gifts, are not just to authenticate the apostles. What other purpose do they have? Verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So in addition to authenticating the apostles, God also gives spiritual gifts to build people up, to comfort believers, to guide believers, to strengthen, convict believers. So yes, the apostles have already been authenticated. They're not here anymore. But that's why God is still giving spiritual gifts because we still need to be built up. We still need to be comforted, consoled, guided, strengthened, convicted, right? So we still need the gift of prophecy because we still need the purposes described in verse 3. So I don't think the fact that spiritual gifts did authenticate the apostles means that they're no longer being given because they have other purposes in the New Testament besides just that purpose? That's the first question. I hope that answers that question. Second question. Didn't prophecy give the church authoritative teaching, trustworthy authoritative teaching about Jesus before it had the New Testament? So, doesn't that mean prophecy is no longer needed since we now have the New Testament? So some of my dear brothers and sisters who don't believe gifts are still being given, this is one of the reasons they don't. They say, look, when Jesus ascended from, uh, raised, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, between that time and when the scriptures were completed years later, the early church needed trustworthy, authoritative teaching about Jesus. And they say, that's what the gift of prophecy did. Prophecy gave people trustworthy, authoritative teaching about Jesus. Now, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I don't think that's what prophecy was in the New Testament let me give you two reasons why one it's found right here in chapter 14 verse 1 of Corinthians again it's because Paul calls all believers to desire the gift of prophecy now follow my logic here if the gift of prophecy was a way to give trustworthy authoritative teaching about Jesus and if you are all called to desire the gift of prophecy that means you're all called to desire to become teachers Now, if you've read the Bible carefully, you're thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, there's that verse, that's right, it's James chapter 3, verse 1, where James says, don't many of you desire to become teachers, right? So Paul wouldn't contradict James and say, everybody desire to be teachers, if James says, not everybody desire to be teachers, and so that's one reason I don't think prophecy had the function of giving people trustworthy, authoritative teaching about Jesus. Who did that in the New Testament time period? The apostles, right? And those that they train teachers. There's apostles, and there's teachers, and there's prophets. That's a separate group. The apostles and the teachers are the ones who gave trustworthy, authoritative teaching about Jesus. Now, a second reason, I don't think that's what prophecy is about, is because when you study prophecies that are given in the New Testament, that's not the content that they're bringing. That's not the topics that they're addressing. Let me give you some examples. Look at these. These are fascinating. 1 Timothy 4, verse 14 is one example. Here's where we see prophecy in the New Testament. Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Do not neglect the gift you have, Timothy, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So here's the situation. Some elders are praying over Timothy. Timothy. And as they're praying over him, one of them receives a prophecy, knowledge that he could not have known otherwise. God wants to give Timothy, give you, Timothy, a particular spiritual gift right now. And so they're praying, and as they pray, God supernaturally gives that gift to Timothy. So see, prophecy in this situation, 1 Timothy four fourteen involves receiving supernatural knowledge about a concrete situation, a specific situation, the time when the elders are praying for Timothy. See how that works? This is not authoritative teaching about Jesus. This is supernatural knowledge to give guidance and help in a specific concrete situation. Another example. Look at Acts chapter 11, verses 27 to 30. This is very powerful. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Okay, there's a group of prophets. One of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So again, do you see prophecy involves receiving supernatural knowledge? There's a famine coming dealing with a specific situation in order to bring benefit. Let's raise money for those poor believers who don't have reserves, which can may help them to weather a famine. So God, out of love, brings this prophecy so that money's raised, the poor believers have money so they can hang on during the famine. You see the love of God, the mercy of God to give that concrete, a famine's coming, raise some money for the poor. Isn't that beautiful? I just love how God blesses us in that way. He will guide us and lead us and direct us, giving us information we need to know so that we can love each other like happens here. One more example from the book of Acts, Acts 21, 10, and 11. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus, same, same guy, Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt So, Paul was there standing for him. He said, Paul, give me your belt. He took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. This is a sad message. But again, do you see that the content of prophecy is supernatural knowledge about some specific situation. The Holy Spirit wants to warn Paul. Paul, you're going to be arrested in Jerusalem and you're going to be put in prison so that when that happens, Paul would say, God's in complete control of this. God knows exactly what he's doing. I'm trusting you. Isn't that powerful to know ahead of time that that's going to happen? So that you know this is what God is doing. So again, prophecy gives supernatural knowledge about a concrete situation to bring benefit to other people. Now, let me give you a modern-day example. Early 1900s, there are two Swedish immigrants in America, and they're in a small prayer meeting, and during the prayer meeting, somebody there believes God's stirring their hearts, giving them a burden. It's a word of prophecy, and he says, I don't know exactly how he said it, but the gist of it was, you two men are called to be missionaries to a place called Para, P-A-R-A. I don't know where that is, but that's my sense from the Lord. Now, I'm sure that these two Swedish immigrants wouldn't just have said, okay, we're off, they would have prayed about it, right? Because again, if somebody has a word of prophecy for you, don't just take it as authoritative, you pray about it. You get counsel. The Holy Spirit will confirm it to you if it's true. And so I'm sure that they did that, but they felt like this is from God. Yes. And then a few days later, well, first of all, they didn't know where Para was, but they went to the library and it's in Northeastern Brazil. Okay. And so then another word of prophecy came a few days later. You're supposed to go to a place in New York. Someone's going to meet you. This is all important for this whole Para thing. So they they prayed about that and they went to New York and somebody met them and gave them the exact amount of money They needed for two one-way tickets to Brazil and so they went Do You see how this works supernatural knowledge about a particular situation for the sake of love So what happened in Brazil? Their first church gathering had 18 members. This is 1910 18 members by 1983, that church gathering of 18 members had multiplied into numerous churches throughout Brazil with over 7 million members. Don't you love how God, I mean, those men would, they never would have gone to where, they didn't even know where Para was on their own, but God brought this. Prophetic word and the Holy Spirit stirred their hearts that this was from him. God led someone to have the joy of giving them the money for their trip And then they went That's how God works God loves us. He loves to give us knowledge We couldn't otherwise have which then when we share it as he leads us to will bring great benefits seven million people in Brazil So all, all that to say prophecy is not about authoritative teaching about Jesus. That's what the apostles did. That's what the New Testament is. That's what teachers and preachers do. That's not the topic of prophecy. Prophecy is about supernatural knowledge that God gives us for concrete situations right now that will bring great benefit and great blessing to others. Now, Here's, here's a question that nobody asked, but that I thought needs to be asked. Might sound kind of strange, but I hope you'll see why I'm asking this as, as we talk about it. Did not Old Testament prophets write scripture? So, if we desire to prophesy, aren't we saying that we're going to write scripture? This is really an important question for a number of reasons. In the Old Testament, there are prophets like Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah who wrote scripture, right? We have their writings in the Old Testament, okay? So the question is, well, so if, if, if I'm gonna pursue prophecy and maybe be a prophet, am I, does that mean people are gonna think I'm wanting to write scripture? I don't wanna write scripture and that's good that you don't wanna write scripture, okay? The answer is no, we're not gonna write scripture. Scriptures are already written. They are finished. They are complete. They're perfect. Let me show you why, biblically, desiring prophecy today does not mean that you're going to desire to write scripture. And the answer is in Numbers, book of Numbers, chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. Here's the background to these verses. I said in the Old Testament, Moses was called a prophet. But Aaron and Miriam also received revelation from God, and they were claiming to have the same authority as Moses. So Moses was a prophet, but Aaron and Miriam also received revelation from God, and they were claiming that the same authority as Moses. So look at what God says, starting in verse 5. The Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he, God, said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him In a vision, I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, which means face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. Now, the reason this passage is so important for us to get is that it shows us that in the Old Testament there were two different kinds of prophets, two different categories of prophets. This is really important to understand. Let's compare them with this chart. You'll see the chart up on the screen. Let's start with Moses on the left. He's described in Numbers chapter 12 verse 8. Now we know from other passages that Moses was called a prophet. Deuteronomy 18.15, Deuteronomy 34.10, Moses was called a prophet, and verse 8 shows that God speaks to him, but he speaks to him face to face, mouth to mouth, clearly. He speaks to Moses clearly, not in riddles, crystal clear revelation from God, which Moses wrote down in the Scriptures. Okay, So that's what it meant for Moses to be a prophet. And Now look at Aaron and Miriam. The right-hand column. They're described in verse 6. Okay, They're also called prophet, prophets. God does speak to them, but differently. Notice the difference. God speaks to them in visions and in dreams. God does not speak as clearly. Sometimes it can feel like riddles. And they did not write down any scriptures. That wasn't their role. So Here's the difficulty. Both of them are called prophets. Moses, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, who God gave crystal clear revelation to, and they wrote those down in scriptures because God told them to. That's one kind of prophet. But then also in the Old Testament, there are people called prophets like Miriam and Aaron, and many others, who God does speak to them, but it's not clear. It's visions, it's dreams. It can feel like a riddle sometimes. And they didn't write down any scriptures. That wasn't their role. So I find it helpful to talk about Moses and Isaiah. They're like capital P prophets. Okay, they're like prophets. And Miriam and Aaron, they're like small P prophets. okay? They're prophets. God speaks to them, and great benefit comes through what God gives them. It's a blessing, just like Agabus. Agabus was a small P prophet. Philip's 4 prophetess' daughters were small p-prophets. Anna was a small p-prophet. None of us are going to be capital P-prophets here. Okay, We're all going to be small p-prophets. Don't quote me on that because you'll to explain what I'm saying. But anyway, get get what this is. So that's why we can desire prophecy and we make no pretense to writing scripture. No, no, no. We're not going to write scripture. I just want to have God, if he would, be so gracious. I want to bless these people, and if I can bless them by receiving some knowledge that as I share with them, they'll be strengthened, they'll be comforted, they'll be guided, they'll be convicted. Oh God, do that. We're not talking about writing scripture. No one's writing scripture anymore, right? Scriptures are finished. But see, this is really important. Some from the background who do believe that spiritual gifts are still being given. A man's prophetic words now and today in some of those circles, become more important than the Bible. And that is never going to happen here, church. That is so dishonoring to Christ and so dangerous for the church. Let me say it again. The clearest way you'll ever hear God's voice is in the book. Now, ask God for prophecy. Ask God for prophecy. Ask Him, God, please. If I could bless my home group, if I can bless my family, if I can bless Grace Church, please, Lord, for the sake of love, give me something that I can share that would help someone here. And he will. But it's not capital P prophecy. It's not Moses. It's not Isaiah. It's little P, Agabus, and little P, Philip's daughters. Okay? Is that clear? Okay, are you all clear that none of us are writing scripture? Are we clear on that? Please, please, church, be clear on that. Okay. Okay. Now, I also want to mention, so in the the New Testament equivalent of capital P prophets are apostles, right? They say it again, the New Testament equivalent of capital P prophets are called apostles. In the Old Testament, there's two kinds of prophets, capital P and small b. In the New Testament, there's no capital P prophets. There's just apostles and small p prophets. That really sounds very confusing. I hope you're... Thank you. Amy's got it. Ask Amy if you have questions. Okay, good. All right. So when we desire the spiritual gift of prophecy, we're not desiring to write scripture, but for the sake of love, God, give me knowledge I couldn't have otherwise so I can bless these people. There's other ways to bless them, right? But that's one way to bless them. And Paul tells us earnestly to desire that way of blessing them. So let's do it. Last question for this morning. How do I earnestly desire to prophesy. How do I do that? Now again, here's why this is an important question, because of 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's because this is what Paul commands us to do. Um, I hope you're persuaded that God is still giving the gift of prophecy. If not, let's talk. I'd love to dialogue with you and hear your reasons, or email them to me and We'll keep them anonymous, but maybe we'll talk about them next week. But if you're persuaded that God does still give prophecy, then this command should be weighing on you. Jesus wants you to pursue love. Jesus is calling you to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And Jesus is calling you to earnestly desire to prophesy. We want to obey Jesus, so let's do that. Here's five steps. First, Study God's Word on this topic. What happened to me years ago when I was first studying these things is that the more I studied the New Testament to see what the New Testament gift of prophecy involved, the stronger my faith grew that God is still giving this gift today and that He wants me to ask Him for this gift. He wants me to seek this gift. And so when I pray and say, God, give me a word of prophecy for Grace Church, He's smiling. He's smiling. He's pleased that I'm asking him that. But that comes from studying the scripture. So I would encourage you, study God's word on what does the New Testament teach about the spiritual gift of prophecy. It'll strengthen your faith. It'll it'll fuel your prayer along these lines. Second, see this as an act of love. Okay, this is how we love others. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. God may give you knowledge you wouldn't otherwise know in order to bring great blessing to people in a specific situation. We're not going to be pursuing prophecy or other spiritual gifts as a way to elevate ourselves. This is for the sake of love. We're, I don't want anybody here praying about prophecy because, well, this would make me look really good. That's not what it's about. It's about blessing others and strengthening others and helping others. So let's watch our hearts. Pride's always lurking. Let's watch our hearts, and let's do this for the sake of love. Third, pray for this gift. Start praying for this gift regularly. Think of the benefit that could come to us here as God brings more gifts of prophecy here for Friday mornings. Think of the benefit that will come to your home group as God guides and directs and encourages To the gift of prophecy. Now, again, let me say, God brings encouragement many other ways. You, reading a verse in your times with God that morning and sharing it with the home group can bring great blessing to them. Don't neglect that. That's huge. But let's not neglect prophecy either because the same Bible encourages us to pursue both. All right? So pray for this gift. Now, you might say, I've never received a gift of prophecy, so I'm sure that's not my gift. That's not what the Bible teaches. You could receive a gift of prophecy this afternoon, even if you've never received it up to this point. That's how spiritual gifts work. You don't know what gifts God might give to you. You've experienced some, but there's others. And no one's just set in cement, like, I've got this gift and no others. That's not how the gifts work. That's why Paul encourages us, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He wants all of us to desire that gift. So pray for that gift. God could give you a word of prophecy for your home group this week. Fourth, be aware that God can give you a a revelation, a prophecy is really what I mean by that. He can give you a, a revelation, a prophecy at any time. So be aware that at any time God could bring you a prophecy. So Maybe you're praying for somebody in your home group. You're just praying for them. (coughs) Excuse me. And God brings into your mind this thought that they have an unanswered prayer. And they are discouraged about this. They are brokenhearted about this. And that God wants you to bring a word of encouragement. That he wants you to say to them, tell them, I know that they've not received the answer tell them to trust me. I know exactly what I'm doing. And then you just simply share. So I think somebody here at home group has an unanswered prayer and God wants you to know you can trust him. He knows exactly what he's doing. So while you're praying for somebody in your home group, God could bring that thought into your mind, which then you would share. Now, you, see, in home group is a great setting to share these because you might say, I think this might be a prophecy from God. I'm not sure, right? That's that's how we we share things because we're we're exploring. Does this, does this resonate with anybody? And somebody say, that's totally me. I've totally been have got unanswered prayer. I'm totally discouraged about it. Thank you. And then you'll be like, whoa, God's awesome. He did that. So when you share a, a gift with home group or in any setting, it's not like, thus saith the Lord, right? <laughs> no, no, it's just like, I, I think maybe God is saying this. That, that's, a, that's a beautiful, that's not a lack of faith. Remember, these things can seem like riddles sometimes. They're not super clear, right? That's what we learned from Miriam and Aaron. So I think maybe God's saying this. Anybody want to confirm that to me? All right, that's how it works. So God could also give you a, a prophecy while you're praying for our Friday morning gatherings here. Maybe you're taking time Saturday night just to pray, God, pour out your spirit upon Grace Church Friday morning. Come and do a mighty work, we pray. And while you're praying, God could give you a burden that he wants you to encourage the church that he loves us and that there's some here who don't believe that and he wants them to know he loves them. So he could bring that burden to you, just that sense in your heart, just like Spurgeon. He felt moved to say. You could be praying for the church and you just feel your heart moving like, this is what God wants me to do. And so then what, what do you do? Well, then next Friday morning, you walk up to me or whoever is having that role and you'd say, I think God wants me to share with people in the church who are doubting that He loves them, He wants to tell them He does love them. And I would pray, I'd I'd probably say, awesome. And I'd I'd walk up with you here, and we'd get a mic between one of the songs, and you'd share that, and there'd be people here who would just be like, oh, that's just like, that's exactly what they needed this morning. He does love me. And the Holy Spirit's totally confirming that to them while you speak it. See how that works? It's a beautiful thing. Okay. So be aware that God can give you a revelation at any time. And then fifth, then go ahead and share the prophecies, the revelations that God gives. Now, if he gives you a revelation, a prophecy for an individual, you might want to share that with them privately, as opposed to with the group or in front of the whole church. We wouldn't let that happen here. But in your home group, share it with them privately. And say, would you pray about this? I think maybe this is what God's saying. If it is, he will confirm it to you. Why don't you pray about that? So if he gives you a prophecy for an individual, share that with them. If he gives you a prophecy for your home group, share it with the home group next time you meet. It can be very powerful. And like I said, if he gives you a prophecy for the church, come share it with me or another member of the steering team, and we will pray and process how does God want that to be used. Is it to be shared on a Friday morning? Should the steering team pray about that more first? What should we do with that? But we will pray, and we will receive that. It will be helpful. So share the revelations God gives. Now, again, let's just have 1 Corinthians 14.1 be in our minds. Pursue love. This is what it's about. Just, we, we want to love each other. We want to love our neighbors. We want to love the people who we work with. Pursue love. And one way to do that is to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And especially because of how powerful the gift of prophecy is, especially we should desire to prophesy. So as I was just preparing this and praying over it, it just stirred me. What a gloriously loving God we have. That he would give us knowledge we wouldn't otherwise know, which when we share it in a concrete setting with other individuals, will encourage their hearts, will guide them, will comfort them, will help them, will strengthen them, will support them. What a glorious God we have does that? Look at all that we have through Jesus. This is one of the lavish graces that are ours through Jesus. So Grace Church, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Let me pray this over us. So Father, I pray that you'd be working in our hearts through your word, and we're all at different places when it comes to spiritual gifts. But I pray that you'd move us along. We want to study your word. We want to obey your word. And Lord, I pray that in these next weeks, you would pour out your gifts upon us. We want to have you teach us, Lord. Would you pour out gifts of prophecy here upon Grace Church, I pray. Maybe even right now. Lord, would you do this as we are praying on our own in our own times with you? Would you do this as we're worshiping in our home groups. You're here Friday mornings. Would you do this as we're driving and talking to you as we're on our way to work? But Lord, would you pour out the gift of prophecy upon us for our upbuilding and for our strengthening and encouragement and consolation? Would you do that here at Grace Church so that we can love each other more and glorify you more? I pray this in Jesus' name.